He sold over 150 million records worldwide. His music has been streamed over 60 billion times globally. He's been nominated for 14 Grammys, collects the number one hits like Candy, and is part of a small group of artists that are truly considered global superstars. Bad habits sleep to late night, sitting alone. Conversations with a stranger I barely know. Swearing this will be the last, but it probably won't. I got nothing left to lose or use or do my best. With the release of his new album, Subtract, marking the end of a 10-year journey where his albums referenced mathematics, Ed Sheeran is offering up one of his most personal albums to date, reflecting the challenges in his personal life over the past few years, which saw new life and loss. So I'm here alone, just dancing with my eyes closed. Subtract was initially intended to be more of an acoustic, stripped-back version of Ed Sheeran's usual style. But after the sudden passing of his best friend, Jamal Edwards... The moment you find out that the worst thing in the world has happened to someone that you truly love with all your heart, you feel like you're drowning and can't get out from under it. Receiving news of his pregnant wife's cancer diagnosis... I kept saying to you that it was just a lump and not to worry. The doctor was basically like, this is really bad. And dealing with the lengthy public trial accusing Sheeran of plagiarizing one of his biggest hits to date. This is breaking news. A jury has ruled in favor of singer Ed Sheeran in a copyright infringement trial over his hit song, Thinking Out Loud. Sheeran pulled back the veil and released those trials and tribulations into his music, creating arguably his best work to date. Ginger hair, really sure. His stutters. That guy doesn't become a pop star. I'm your host, Tamara Dia, and this is the Spout Podcast, where famous people spout off about more than what they're famous for. And today, that's Ed Sheeran. First off, congratulations on the album. Uh, this album really truly feels like an honest and raw version of you. And it really dives into the dark depths of real human emotions like grief and loss. Was there ever any point where you felt like maybe the fear of feeling too vulnerable or was this a form of therapy for you? Uh, yeah, there was definitely a part of like, because I think there's like it's twofold. Like songs have to be written, but they don't have to be released. So I had to write the songs and then there was definitely conversation with, especially with my wife, Cherry, with songs that were about her of like, do we need to put this out into the world? Like, do we? And yeah, I think she was very much on the side of like my creative thing. I think she was like, people need to hear these songs, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's it's therapeutic for people listening as well, because obviously these are emotions that we all go through. It's a part of life. So it uh, it feels very personal and, and just yeah, genuinely raw and, and, and special. Uh, I think you even mentioned that this might be one of the most important discographies of your career. Yeah, I, I really do think that. I think that, you know, for me, I'm a big Bruce Springsteen fan. His like most commercially successful album is Born in the USA and my most my, his most important album for me is Nebraska and Nebraska is just a stripped back to acoustic record that is just beautiful and it's not 
it's not remembered in the same way as Born in the USA and it's not at the concert Born in the USA but as a record for fans it's really important Damien Rice Damien Rice's O is a really important record to me and like it's not necessarily something that is going to bang out in the clubs at 2am and people are going to do tequila shots to it you know but it's, it's these records are important yeah, I agree. And you are embarking on your tour starting in the U.S. And as yeah. this is such a personal album, are there any songs that you're a little nervous to perform live because you might get too emotional? No, because I think it's beyond that point now. I think the, the songs be, belong to the fans now. And, and actually, it'd be quite nice to see what they connect with. Uh, I think I was at that point maybe two weeks ago uh, when I was doing shows and it, I was getting emotional with it. I'm releasing my brand new single, uh in the morning it's called eyes closed and this song means a hell of a lot to me uh, and i've never played it uh, live in front of an audience before so this is this is this is the first time but i think it's uh, yeah it's a different point now the, the album's out there in the world and it just exists when you are known as one of the best artists in the world it's hard to find others that understand the pressure extreme fame can hold very few can relate to the lifestyle of constantly creating, traveling the world, and giving not only your art, but a piece of yourself to the public. Luckily for Ed, he has found someone who not only understands, but has become a true friend along the way. And that someone is none other than Taylor Swift. Well, speaking of tours, you recently spoke about your friendship with Taylor Swift, who is currently on tour herself. You know, so Ed, earlier this weekend, we talked to your bestie, Taylor, and she was gushing over you. He's a wonderful, wonderful friend. So yeah, I love him. You're talking about how much she loves you and how much your friendship, no matter the distance, no matter the years that go by, it never changes and you're always there for her. What does that mean to you? Uh, she is a very, very good friend of mine. And uh, um, it's just nice to have someone in the music industry who goes through the same sort of things. Um, we're both the same age. We both write songs. Uh, from my heart and uh, yeah it's a pleasure knowing her. You know in show business it feels like it can be hard to kind of discern between real friendships and business ones. At what point did you realize that Taylor was a real one? Well I think because we don't do a hell of a lot of business together really like we, we're, we're very much like every now and then we'll come together and do something but it's I've hung out with her more times than I can count and I can count on one hand how many songs we've released together. You know? All I know is we said It, it is a friendship friendship and it's um you know we just happen to be in the same business and she introduced you to the producer on this album correct yeah she did yeah and like and encouraged us to work yeah i mean taylor's some, I just, I have a real affinity to her. Like, obviously, like, musically, she's brilliant. But, like, as a human, we've sort of known each other since the start of my career, and we're just very similar people. Music matchmaker Taylor here. Totally. You and Aaron, the two of you got together and, I mean, magic unfolded. The experience that she had making Folklore and Evermore was so eye-opening for her in terms of getting back to what she truly loved about it, that I think she was like, this is something that you have to experience as well. This is something that you guys should do and you guys should work together. And I feel like it, it's, it's what it's all led, led towards is just this freedom to do whatever the f I want. Because I was very much like, nice to meet you, like, well, let's do this thing for Red Taylor's version, but like, I'm not sure 
uh, I want to like step on Taylor's toes or whatever. And she was like, no, I think it, I think you'll really benefit from it and you'll really enjoy the process. And I have, and I'm really grateful for it. Ed has recently made headlines in a way he wishes he never did during the highly publicized court case between himself and the estate of Marvin Gaye, who claimed Ed plagiarized his massive 2014 hit, Thinking Out Loud, borrowing elements from the late soul singer's classic, Let's Get It On. Darling, I will be loving you till the jury ruled in favor of Ed. I do have to say congratulations on the verdict from the hearing. How are you feeling now that it's finally over? Um, Quite sad, actually. Quite sad that it actually had to come to this. And it's been eight years from both sides. You know, it's been eight years of our lives. And, you know, the whole time I was like, I knew the truth. You sat down with the jury and I think this is great. And you took out your guitar. And you said to the jury, you think I ripped off this song? I'm going to play you something now and show you how similar things can be. What did you play for that jury? Um, if I was the jury, yeah, what did you say to them? So it was, um, so my one is, um, when your legs don't work like they used to before. And then there's, have I told you lately that I loved you? And then, um, um, people get ready. There's a train coming, um. And then, uh, what was the, looks like we made it, look how far we've come, my baby, and oh, she breaks, just like a woman. I mean, there was, there was 101 songs that, and that was like scratching the surface, there was like 101, you know, there's, um, uh, I guess you say, it's, it's really, and what I was saying is like, Yes, it's a chord sequence that you hear on successful songs, but if you say that a song in 1973 owns this, then what about all the songs that came before? We found songs like from like the 1700s that had similar uh, melodic stuff, and then there was like huge songs in the 50s and huge songs in the 60s, and it's just no one's saying that songs shouldn't be copyrighted, but you just can't copyright a chord sequence. You just can't. And I guess you kind of have to go and prove it like that sometimes. But yeah, I'm just quite sad it had to get to that point. Uh, right, uh, good morning, afternoon everyone. Thanks so much for uh, being out here. I'm obviously very happy with the outcome of the case and it looks like I'm not having to retire from my day job after all. But at the same time, I'm unbelievably frustrated that baseless claims like this are allowed to go to court at all. We've spent the last eight years talking about two songs with dramatically different lyrics, melodies and four chords which are also different and used by songwriters every day all over the world. These chords are common building blocks which were used to create music long before Let's Get It On was written and will be used to make music long after we are all gone. They are in a songwriter's alphabet, our toolkit, and should be there for all of us to use. No one owns them, or the, or the way they are played, in the same way that nobody owns the color blue. It's kind of crazy. This week has been a lot of endings for you, or, or I guess like births for in some capacity, like eight years with this uh, trial, 10 years with this album. Like, how does that feel? It all kind of coming in the same week. It sort of feels like it's this Hollywood movie that's been, you know, planned. <laughs> and yeah, it, it's... This isn't the way it was meant to go this this week. The trial was meant to end last week. Uh, the documentary was meant to come out now. The album was meant to come out March 24th. Like it, it was just, yeah, it all, it's kind of like a perfect storm. Everyone, everything's kind of happened uh, the way it was going to happen. And um, 
I'm just, I feel, I'm feeling very, very overwhelmed by it all. Cherry's health. It was really bad. And then suddenly, my best friend Jamal dies. <laughs> you guys said, do you want to make a documentary? And I went, yeah, it should be me in the studio and we'll play the gig. That's not what the documentary is. I, I would imagine. I mean, I think that's enough for anyone, but especially someone on such a public stage. Like, how do you manage to get through big moments like this? I guess you just do, don't you? Just like you wake up and your day happens and then you go to bed and then you wake up and your day happens. I, yeah, I, I get I get asked that a lot. People go like, how how do you? Like when, when I was in the case, they're like, how are you coping? And I'm like, well, I'm waking up and I'm going to this thing. And, you know, I'm, that's all you can do in it. You just wake up and live your day. And some yeah. days are really difficult and some days aren't. So one foot in front of the other, right? Precisely. Yeah, it's, it, it is exactly that. But I'm looking like, back now and being like, oh, my God, like what just happened? But yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's crazy when you're in something like that and then you can look back. Thankfully, you're looking back and, and there's positive uh, outcomes from the situations. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great that, you know, you're coming out with also this amazing album, which, you know, I was listening to this morning because you released on YouTube. So I was like going through every video, which is so dope that you did the visual album as well. The waves my boat But the waves won't break my boat What was the process of doing the visual album? So Mia, who had directed uh, Bam Bam for uh, Camila and me, so we were in touch and originally I'd sort of sent out four songs and I said, I want someone to do a video for these four songs. And she sent back this like treatment for the four songs that was so good. I was like, do you want to do 14 songs? And she was like, yeah, that's kind of crazy. But yeah, so we shot 14 songs in, I think, 16 days. She came to my wow. hometown and she did like this. She's so talented, by the way. She's so, so good. And She's like 24 as well. She's just on it. Wow. We, uh, like meticulously set up all these videos and we just went bam, 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 and done. And it's something that I never thought was possible because people are always like one music video at a time and do this. And she's sort of like blown it out of the water and just, um, yeah, it's great. Yeah. I mean, it's stunning visual, not just, you know, audio, but visually as well. So it was really cool to watch. Can you pull the curtains? Let me see the sunshine. I think I'm done with my hiding place and you found me anyway. It's been forever, but I'm feeling all right. Tears dry and we'll leave no trace and tomorrow's another day. Being in the music business as long as Ed has, he has collected a few famous friends along the way, one of which is none other than Harry Styles. On a lighthearted note, uh, I recently, when I was doing my research, I uh, rediscovered the photo that you took back in 2012 uh, of you tattooing Harry Styles. Yeah. So I was curious, do you guys both still have those matching penguin tattoos? Uh... Yeah, I think, yeah, I think he does. I think he's, yeah, he's, yeah, I, I don't think tattoos go, but yeah. Yeah. He, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we've both slowed down a bit with tattoos. I think when you're like early 20s and you get your first couple, it's just like, let's get loads. But I'm yeah. pretty sure he's slowed down quite a lot and I've definitely slowed down a lot. 
Do yeah. you guys ever like like talk about those moments like back in the day when you guys were crazy enough to be tattooing each other? <laughs> yeah, there is. You know, there's something about knowing some. Like I've known Harry since I was 19 and he was 16. There's like there's something about going through your formative years. You know, I'm, like it's quite it's quite weird. Like he's obviously like on top of the world right now and has gone from being in the biggest boy band in the world to then being the biggest solo artists in the world um and it's just it's an amazing journey to see i'm like really like super super proud of him um and yeah like we both started like i used to there was a guitarist that knew both of us called chris that i wrote um lego house and give me love with who used to play for the one direction lads and me and harry used to sleep at his house together and the day that what makes you beautiful went number one plus went number one the same day and we were both staying at the house at that point so now to be where we're at now you know he's on a stadium tour and i'm on a stadium tour and it's it's quite weird like looking back at the journey i know i know, I know that sounds like odds uh but yeah it's no it doesn't sound odd i think it actually sounds really cool that you both maintain you know like you both kind of came up at the same time and now you're both at such big peaks in your careers i think it's yeah. cool yeah and it's it's the same thing as taylor like there's rarely people that like totally understand you and i think both of them because they are solo artists and are at this level uh you can you kind of talk and there's an understanding there that you don't necessarily get from everyone Mm -hmm. I know you mentioned earlier that, uh, or in another conversation, that you do speak with Taylor frequently, especially during weeks like this, the album release week, about to go on tour. Do you do that with Harry as well? Yeah. I mean, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I think that I, I wouldn't say frequently on, on either because everyone lives a very, very, very busy yeah. life. And, but yeah, like, but when I talk to them, I t it's like a conversation. Like it's a, it's a, it's a chat. It's not like a everyday uh two word back and forth it's like when we when we catch up we catch up nice well congratulations again adam thank you so much for taking the time to talk with you. us um yeah this this album is stunning i'm really really excited for you thank you so much nice one thank you still dancing with my eyes closed to see more of this conversation search spell podcast on all social networks and be sure to subscribe and follow Plus, sign up at spoutpodcast.com to win tickets, merch, or even the chance to meet our guests. This episode of the Spout Podcast is presented by Alpha Media, written and narrated by Tamara Dia, produced by Mark Long, and created by Phil Becker. Spout.